Welcome to the podcast channel of the East Bay Unity Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. The opinions expressed here are those of individual members and do not represent OA as a whole. For more information about our intergroup, please visit our website at eastbayoa.org. Hi, everybody. Um, So again, my name is Michelle, and I'm a grateful compulsive overeater. And this is honestly my first time speaking in front of an OA recovery group. So I'm super excited. Um, And I'm very honored to be here uh, sharing my strength, hope, and my personal experience with all of you. And um, just today, my topic's going to be about my uh, personal journey through uh, my relapse, which was pretty recent. But before I begin, I was hoping if you guys would join me in a moment of silence. Um, This helps me to get grounded and guided by my higher power. And um, what I'd like to do is just place my hand on the heart, just be quiet for a minute, and then we'll begin. Take a deep breath. Here we go. Okay. All right. So um, I just want to uh, read a a quote from the big book. Uh, This is something that I started really getting into more recently in terms of a big book study. And there was a quote that really resonated with me. And it says, um, our liquor is but a symptom. So we had to get down to the causes and conditions, page 64. And in my case, my food, it was just my symptom. So as a qualifier, um, I'd like to just share a little bit um, early in my life in the areas of mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical. Um, While I did have uh, good memories as a child, there was definitely some challenges early on. And I just wanna share a few of those. In the area of my emotions, um, I grew up as an only child and I was um, raised with a single parent who suffered from severe mental illness. Um, during that time, there was a lot of periods where I experienced grief, uh, while witnessing my mother go through episodes of, uh, depression and psychosis. Um, as a result of her mental illness, she became disengaged and, um, didn't do a lot of interacting with me, um, in my younger years. And I started to feel unloved and I started to feel very alone. In my mental state as a child, um, during this time, I started to become consumed with a lot of negative thoughts and a lot of self-doubt. And it really seemed like these doubts just took up permanent um, residence in my heart for decades. Um, I started having feelings that I was completely undeserving of love, um, that I'd be, I'd better not bring attention to myself because I was undeserving and worthless. Um, I have to care for my mom. I'm the only one that could do it. Only I can help. Uh, And I also felt a lot of the times that no one can understand my circumstances. Uh, I think people, when I was a kid, I thought that people would think that I was crazy and um, I didn't really wanna share it with anybody else what I was going through. Um, the spiritual impact of this as a child, I did, um, I did have some kind of an idea about a God 
but I didn't quite know what it was. Um, I would try to hold on to hope and faith that my mom would get better and that our lives would become normal. But when the circumstances changed, I began to get um, become demoralized and I felt hopeless. And um, I had a lot of feelings of helplessness. And when it came to school, the only thing I enjoyed about school was breakfast and lunch. And I would often drift into my own mental world. I really believed that I had no value and nothing to give to anyone, including myself. I think at that time, I was about nine or 10. That was when my spiritual malady had begun, my barrier to my higher power. My physical state at the time and my eating, my food and my eating really took a toll on my body. Uh, my interior house was vacant inside. Um, something seemed to enter me when I was going through those dark periods. And there was something I read one time, what the Buddhists call uh, the realm of the hungry ghosts. And what came inside of me were cravings that were endless. My mind was constantly thinking about food. My cravings for certain foods could not be satisfied. Uh, when my inner addict had a constant sense that something was missing, something was wrong. So might as well eat, eat about it. I became disembodied and again powerless over this entity. It felt like I became an indentured slave enforced to servitude to this mental obsession with food. <clears throat> my mom and I lived on public assistance and so we often rat out a food a few days before the end of the month. And so whenever food was in the house, I became so excited and alive. My inner addict woke up. I would binge on cereal, potato chips, and candy until I was sick. As a child, I ate meals like an adult lumberjack, often, <coughs> excuse me, often going back for seconds and thirds. After getting sick to my stomach, I couldn't wait until my stomach would feel better so I could only eat again. I would make cake batter, and I would add the water and add the egg, and I would stir it. And I remember hearing people say, don't eat raw, um, cake batter because you're going to get worms. I didn't care. I'd eat the whole bowl. <coughs> there was something that I read in the big book on the doctor's opinion, page XXIS. It says, a sense of comfort and ease that would come upon me. And that's what happened after I ate that cake batter, comfort and ease. Some other qualifiers is growing up, my, my weight would fluctuate up and down. I remember one time my aunt took me to a junior-sized store, but all of my friends were shopping at JCPenney's still in the children's section. I felt ashamed by this. My body was more like a woman's rather than a child. As a teenager, I tried to stop eating for years in a, I tried to stop binging and uh, restricting, but I couldn't seem to get control over my, my weight. I love to eat crunchy and salty and sugary foods. In a real low moment, I chopped up some diet pills and snorted them in the hopes that I'd get amped up and stop stuffing my face with junk food. Through my uh, extended family, when we would sit at the kitchen table, I noticed that that's when we felt, or I felt connected with them. Food equaled love to me. Because of my disease, um, I've developed a <clears throat> a number of physical ailments such as sleep apnea. I stopped breathing 30 to 35 times each night. 
I had plantar fasciitis, which caused extreme pain from excess weight. Due to my constant fear and anxiety and impatience with myself and others, I developed ventricular tachycardia. It causes my heart to raise 120 meets, beats per minute. The average is 60 to 70. I'm five feet, nine inches tall, and I currently um, maintain a 30 to 35 pound weight loss. My goal is to release an additional 35 pounds. However, I've released that goal to my higher power. And as they say in OA, my weight is not my business. <clears throat> in my relationships um, and how they've been negatively impacted, I often have had an incessant need um, to just want my way, to have things go my way. I also have a disease to please, which unfortunately causes me to be inauthentic with myself and others. I'd like to have control over everything in my life, including my spouse, my adult kids, because I think I know better. I have constant black and white thinking, restricting me from seeing the light. I tend to make mountains out of molehills. Everything that's even something little and minute becomes a catastrophe. I go around shitting on everything and everyone, including my family, which only causes them distance, to distance themselves from me and me from them. At another low point in my early 20s, I moved from being a real heavy eater to a full-blown compulsive overeater. I experienced rejection from a long-term boyhood, or boyfriend, excuse me, who was really not interested in even marrying me. This broke my heart. This occurred around Christmas time, and we were given two full tins of fudge. And over the course of two days, I ate five pounds of fudge by myself. My insanity caused me to do things against my will. I lost self-respect. My relationship with God before program, I did attend church um, on and off for years. I attended Bible study for over a decade. During a spiritual awakening experience in 2013, I was drawn towards Christian mysticism and Buddhism, as term Thomas Merton called it, dual belonging. At times, I knew my higher power, and then there's days, even now, where I feel a little agnostic. I feel both ways, and that's okay. I'm not sure why I feel this way. I no longer fight it, but it makes me crazy, and so I accept it as part of me. I recall thinking one time, food is my only real pleasure in life. God, I think, I think I'll go ahead and keep this problem to myself. I didn't want to release it to my higher power, but it was killing me and I became desperate and I did not have control over my life. In my past, my attitude towards others, um, sadly, I would treat my coworkers better than my own family. My deepest desire was to connect to my husband um, I wanted to be a loving wife, but much of the time I was filled with, filled with memories of the past, holding on to resentments of my, about my husband. Instead, I gave my husband negative judgment in my sexuality and little else. I had negative impact on our marriage. I have three children. I pushed my dysfunction of perfectionism um, onto them, causing breakdowns in communication. They would often go hide in their room. In the beginning of OA, I started in 2019. I began attending meetings in Fairfield where I enjoyed meetings, but I hated the idea of abstinence. 
So even though I knew that this was the um, antidote to my food problems, um, I kept going to the meetings. I finally got an amazing sponsor in the summer of 2018 and began working the steps with her. My sponsor is an absolute gift. While working the steps, I really struggled with the idea of practicing abstinence. But fortunately, my sponsor was very, um, very, very patient with me, and she knew about my past struggles with food scarcity. She didn't give up on me. She stayed with me. In fact, she would come and visit with me at lunchtime, and we'd go for a walk and sit in the park bench. I appreciated her understanding and compassion. It meant a lot to me, and it still does. I just want to emphasize something here. Even before I began practicing abstinence, I was going slow in the steps, and even really before I was losing weight, I experienced miracles in my personal and professional life. I started experiencing the miracles of the program. I just want to emphasize that before I started with my abstinence, before I got fully into the steps. My sponsor, would, when she would come visit me, sometimes I would be kind of freaked out. And um, I really would listen to her. And she reminded me about the beauty and the power of surrendering. And she told me one time, Michelle, when you're freaking out, just say, God, how are you going to do this? How are you going to do this? And that gave me peace. And so I was able to go back and complete the task in an incredible amount of time so quick. It was just amazing. Those words were super powerful. <clears throat> Another miracle was when I began finally practicing abstinence in the spring of 2019. I really honestly thought I couldn't do it. I would spend hours talking to my therapist to how much I hated the word. But this was key to my mental clarity and my sobriety and to, commit and to connect me to my higher power. Kind of moving forward now to April of this year, I had a day and a half of relapse. This was actually after one year of... Um, my one year anniversary of abstinence. So that was on April 15th. So by April 24th, I wasn't. I had completely forgotten about how I couldn't remove my character defects. And I recall the morning when I was thinking and ruminating about a prideful thought. And I was, I completely forgot step six and seven, but I can't do that on my own. And so I found myself gravitating towards the kitchen. And then I started to go around and around in circles at the kitchen island. And I was circling it like an animal, like a predator really, just kind of looking and watching for its prey. I really didn't know how I was gonna get out of it. It was so strong and it was so powerful. But what I was eating made me feel intoxicated. It made me feel at the same time intoxicated, but also I started witnessing my own madness. I was experiencing the insanity of a dieter's mind. Oh my gosh, the calories. Oh my gosh, what does everyone think? Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. I felt these intense emotions and I was clogged. My mind was clogged with fear. Thank you, I see that. I recall just prior to my relapse, I sensed this, um, oh, I'm sorry, excuse me, I got a little distracted. <laughs> I knew that I had to uh, call my sponsor, um, but I was afraid. I thought, oh no. Um, I couldn't even at the time think of calling a, a, a friend in OA or using the tools. 
I prayed to God, please help me as I was going through this. Then suddenly the doorbell rang in the midst of me pacing around the kitchen island. It was a neighbor. She knocked on the door. And of all things, she started talking about her weight issues and with food. And inside I laughed. This was like a wink to me for my higher power. I woke up the next day and immediately I had food thoughts. The crazy obsessive thoughts had returned. And then I started to question my thinking. What am I doing? Have I lost a year of abstinence? Then I remembered the AA uh, Big Book podcast that I listened to a couple, like a week before. And it was Joe and Charlie, two legends in OA. And they said, you know, it's about quantity. It's, I'm sorry, it's about quali quant quality, not quantity. And that meant a lot to me. Because even if I was, you know, if I had my abstinence for 20 years, it would be worthless to me, really, if I was white knuckling it. So at that moment, I decided to recommit and turn my will over to God yet again. And to turn my will over to a God that cares about me. And that's step, that is step three. And that's the principle of faith. That was what I needed at that point. I decided to get back on track. Then I called my sponsor. I was so nervous and I was shaking, but she supported me and she told me to do this or to consider doing this, write about it, pray about it, think about it. She gave me a series of questions to answer about my relapse. She, she suggested attending 30 meetings in 30 days. And I'm so glad I did because I discovered the free thinkers meeting. You guys, this is amazing. My sponsor also gave me the gift of silence to reflect on what was going on for about a week. It wasn't easy, but it was necessary. I realized through relapse, the paradox of my journey. I have lots and lots of work to do, yet I must let things go. That seems so counterintuitive, but that's what the 12 steps is, is counterintuitive. I've also begun to see the parallels that my uh, faith in Christian mysticism has in working the steps in having non-binary experiences. I'm close to wrapping it up now. My program is now central to my life and I've gotten to back to the basics. I poured myself into the solution and into the tools. As soon as my eyeballs wake up, do I need to end now? And can I, do I need to stop? I, I can't hear you, I'm sorry. You have a minute. I have a minute. I'll hurry. Okay. As soon as I wake up in the morning, I practice step 11, which is to seek God, conscious contact with God through prayer and meditation. I text, I call at least two people per day. I attend three to four um, OA meetings a week, plus e uh, weekend workshops. I write a gratitude list. I write it down. I do it in my head. I do spot checks, nightly inventory on my phone. I use a new worksheet now. I plan to complete another fourth and fifth step again soon. Reading and writing is so important to my abstinence. I've updated my food plan. I realized I had a too, my food plan was too complicated. I needed to simplify it. But finally, before I go, I wanted to share something, two things, and then I'll wrap it up. It's a, it's a song from Sir Elton John. And the song is this, I'm still standing better than I ever did, looking like a true survival, a, su a true survivor. 
and feeling like a little kid. And that's what I have inside is joy. So any newcomer here, remember this, recovery is possible. Suit up and show up. Thank you.